Well, good day, Fellowship family. It's great to celebrate Labor Day weekend with you. Thanks for joining us. I want to talk to you about this concept called transformational shifts, what that looks like in life. And as we think about it, uh, we all go through a transformational shift depending on the stage of life we're going through. Like if you're 15, anyone 15 years old right now? I mean, you're thinking, I need my driver's license and I need a car. Get me off this school bus, right? And before it, I mean, everything's longing for it. And all of a sudden, when you, when you make that shift to a driver's license, you go, wow, I, I never want to go back to the bus again. Or maybe you're in college. How many college students do we have here today? Yes, you woke up and went to church today. Congratulations. Um, but, but you don't want to go back to high school because you've had a transformational shift. I've never talked to a college student who goes, man, I just really wish I loved that lunch food back in the high school. I want to go back. No, it's, wow, freedom away from mom and dad. Let's go, you know. And there's some destruction that happens with that shift. But, but for the most time, you don't want to go back. Or you have a child. And they make it through the night. And it's not a fluke, okay? They make it through the night and you go, wow, so this is what it's like to have sleep again. (laughs) And your whole life changes and you get really upset when they get up again and you're having to chase that child again. Or when that child leaves home. (laughs) Do you ever want them back in your home? (laughs) They keep coming back. We, um, spiritually speaking, you also make transformational shifts with your life. And what it means to take that shift is to make an intentional step of faith to take God at his word and to act on it. Whether you read the Old or New Testament in the Bible, faith has always been taking God at his word and acting on it. And so we're going to be talking about seven key transformational shifts that we're called to make. And before we, you make that shift or make that change in your life, there's this, there's this feeling that I really need to make this. I need your, your soul is kind of longing for you to make this shift. It's like shifting a car. How many of you learned how to drive a car with a manual transmission? Okay, we're one foot on the gas, the other foot on the clutch, and you're doing that. And if you don't make that shift, like the engine, the engine just goes, shift, please do this, because the RPMs go up and it whines, and then you shift, and uh, and then it goes again, and everything is good. I think there's something in our souls that longs for these things that we're going to be talking about. Now, I'm going to be talking about seven of them, and I don't want you to think about all seven. I want you to think about one as we talk through them. That God has brought you to a point where you need to allow him to make a transformational shift in your thinking, in your attitude, and in your actions. Let's talk about them. The first one is this. It's a transformational shift of faith. And this has to do with with knowing about God to literally believing in God's provision for you. And there's a difference. Because a lot of us grew up around church or grew up in a religion. 
And we have this concept of who God is, and it's not always anchored in the word of God. It's kind of anchored in what we'd like to think God is. And we can know about the God of the Bible, and we can usually think like this. If I'm just good enough, God will allow me in. And so if I do something bad, I've got to do something good because my good deeds need to outweigh my bad deeds. And if that happens, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'm in. But the Bible says nothing of the sort. The Bible says there's none of us, none of us. We all fall short of the glory of God. So what God did is he took compassion on us and he sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life. He died on a cross for our sins. And he rose from the dead. If you could be good enough, Jesus would have never had to come. But we can't. So he came. And he lived, he died, he rose again for us. And so there has to come a point where you move from knowing about God to putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Have you made that transformational shift? Because there's a huge difference once you make it. Once you make it, you go, how could I ever have lived like that? Because living before you make that shift is is you kind of wonder, have I been good enough? Am I good enough? Did I do enough? And you're always wondering. And you never have that confidence. And it's always based on your performance. It's not based on the grace of God. But once you make it, you go, how did I ever believe like that? Some even get angry at religions that teach works because they're so thankful and appreciative of the work of God in their lives. I hope, if you haven't made this shift of faith yet, that today would be the day you would. By faith, simply receive the work of Jesus for your life. Say, God, I didn't get it before, but I get it now. Jesus lived for me, died for me, rose again for me. I believe that now, and I believe in what he's done for me. I I receive that gift. Thank you. Paul talks about this shift that took place in the church in Thessalonica. Look at how he he refers to it. He says, For they themselves uh, report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. And how you, look at this, look at this shift he's talking about. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Here, a very clear picture of that transformational shift from knowing about a whole bunch of other gods to now turning to the one and true God. And then to live expectantly for the return of Christ. Have you made that shift of faith? From knowing about to believing in Christ. Second one is a transformational shift of prayer. You know, as uh, I've known Christ for quite some time in my life, and I've been a follower of Christ, but this is a consistent area in my life that God keeps reminding me, Joe, you need to make a shift. And it has to do from moving to, moving from uh, the picture of God where I, he's like the genie in a bottle. Well, I just keep asking him, God, I need this and I need that. I need that. And to make sure this doesn't happen, make sure we have a great day, make sure my family's safe and to make sure no one gets sick. And we can request all the time. But really what God is calling us in prayer is to respond, to respond. Here's what I mean. Many of us pray when it's our last resort. When we've tried all we can and we can't do anything more, then cry out to God. So he's our last resort. He's not our first thought. And if he was our first thought, then it would be an ongoing conversation. One of the darkest moments in scriptures 
in the scriptures is the book of Lamentations. It was written by Jeremiah after the city of Jerusalem was ransacked in 586 by the Babylonian Empire. And they carted them off to Babylon. And so he always saw his people carted off into slavery. He saw the articles of the temple just transported outside of Jerusalem, and he saw the city in ruins. And so he wrote kind of like a funeral, a death dirge for a nation in the book of Lamentations. There's one bright spot. It's when Jeremiah decided to worship God in the midst of this dark, depressing moment. Look at what he says in Lamentations 3, 22 to 25. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who seek, who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So we're called and we're entered into a relationship with God through prayer. Not a point and time only, but something that's always responding. In other words, when we wake up in the morning, we're called to... Worship God through prayer. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the next breath you've given me. As you see different issues happening around you, you're trusting God with those people and with those circumstances. When you're being tempted, you cry out first to God. Not when it's too late and you've sinned and you've... Not only confession. Confession is something is an ongoing conversation with God. What could it look like? Because those who are responding to God in prayer, they have a deeper relationship. Did you realize prayer is the greatest thing you can do for anyone? Do you know it's the greatest thing you can do is to pray? And I found that when I pray, I become more aware of needs. I become more aware that God wants me to use, wants to use me in different places to meet some of those needs. But it requires an ongoing conversation rather than just a, you know, genie in a bottle kind of request. And then there's a transformational shift of grace from trying harder to loving God deeper. A lot of people don't see that your great response for God is to love him, but yet we're called into that. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's what we're called to do. Certainly we're called to believe in him, but the relationship is a relationship of love. And the problem is, is that when you look at the scriptures and you uh, realize the condition that you're in, or when you mess up or when you fail, what do you do? How do you view yourself? And some of us, when we mess up, we just try harder because we view that God is upset with us when we, when we mess up and God is going to get us for every time we mess up. So we can believe in Christ, but we can still feel like, well, God's not pleased with me today. And, and we need grace every day. We don't need grace just for salvation. We need grace to lead us every day. And so we need to be people who are, who are falling on grace. We, we don't trust in Christ to get the visa card of grace so we can just keep charging sins on it, you know, and live however we want to. No, we're called, we're called to be people who receive God's undeserved love. And by the way, none of us are here because we deserve it. None of us. None of us are, are in with God because we performed to a level. 
of righteousness. We're here because God chose to love us, and right now we choose to love him back. One of the things that Paul says is, is look at this. He says, he develops this concept of grace in Romans chapter 5. He says this, now the law came in to increase the trespasses. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does this mean? What he's saying is that there's times in our walk with Christ when we look at the law of God that we go, wow, who can level up to this? Who can measure up to this? None of us can. So as the law has shown us our sin, God comes in and says, my grace covers it. And, And I would just say this for each of you. It's going to be time and times in your walk with Christ where you're going to be tempted, especially when you mess up. I just got to be a better person and I'll just never do it again. And what we really need to train our minds to and make this transformational shift is I need to fall on grace. I need to allow God to love me here and I need to love him back. We're called to a relationship, not of trying harder, but loving God deeper. And then there's the transformational shift of ministry from receiving ministry secondhand to experiencing ministry firsthand. Okay, everyone, you can look back up here. Tell me uh, how many of you have ever eaten at the Golden Corral here on uh, Wanamaker? Golden Corral. Okay, who would admit it at church? Okay, good. (laughs) So when you go into the Golden Corral, it's you give money and then you step up to the food trough, right? (laughs) Right? And you know what you want, and you kind of just go to those places, and and you look at the staff there as, you will carve that piece of beef for me. And we're out of potatoes over here. Bring the potatoes. And the ice cream machine. Oh, the ice cream machine is broke again. There's no sprinkles. Fill them up. And so everything is what you can do for me. Because we want to eat the most... So we get our money's worth, right? And it's a different mentality when you approach a place like Golden Corral. College students love it because they can just eat enormous amounts of food. And they don't have to, I mean, it's just pound for pound, it goes down. But it goes on, doesn't it? So there's a difference between Golden Corral than eating a family dinner. Right? Because family dinner, at least at my house, is who's going to set the table? I'll, I'll do that. Who's, Joe, would you grill? Okay, I'll grill. Who's going to clean up? We'll all clean up. Hopefully, right? See, my wife doesn't like to do anything like that alone. She likes us to come along. She's doing it together as part of the experience. And when we get to be a part of a meal firsthand, then it seems that We enjoy it more than just a feeding trough. And I want to tell you, church is the very same way. If you come in and go, huh, there's no more cookies. Man, I wanted the chocolate chip. I hate the raisin ones. And then you look, that person has eight of them. They're walking, they're going in the sanctuary with eight cookies. That's it, honey. We're coming here 15 minutes early because I want cookies. We're going to get four of them each. And there's this thought that when the church is not providing what you want it to provide, we're out. We're out. They've got a better kids program with our kids. We're going over to that church. Because the church is here to serve me, right? 
But if you viewed it as everyone in this place who knows Jesus is a minister and every place we go is a ministry and you're here to experience ministry, not just to receive ministry, then we start seeing that we each have a role. It, it's, we, are, we live a life that's more consistent when we make this transformational shift. It's what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each has received a gift, and you have, if you have trusted in Christ, you have each received a gift from God through his spirit. He said, since you received it, use it. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God is a very diverse God. He loves to give different gifts to different people. So, Because we all need each other. We need to do this together. We need to serve in ministry together. He's not given everyone in this room speaking gifts. He's not given everyone in this room administrative gifts or hospitality gifts. But he's given each of us a gift that we're to use it to minister God's grace. In all its ways. So people get a greater picture of who God is. How he provides for them. How he takes care of them. How he meets needs. How he loves them. When we apply our gifts. But if you just watch it happen. It's a whole different experience. We're called to experience. So we're moving from second hand to to experiencing it first hand. And then there's the shift of giving. Moving from obligation to opportunity. Let's talk about three things that America absolutely loves and doesn't want anyone to mess with. Our time, our energy, or our money. Those are the three top gods in America. And I found that as a church, um, people don't want, they don't want direction in this. But it's killing us. We're stressed out with, we're stressed out with very little margin in our calendars, whether we're chasing kids or we're just always busy and always hurried, which hurry is the enemy to a walk with Jesus. And, and there's, we're, we're stressed with, with uh, being worn out and sleep deprived. And we don't even have to have kids to be sleep deprived. Some of us are struggling with anxiety or depression and we're just, we just, Don't mess with my time or my energy. And then our money. And we're overspent with our money. And so when anyone ever asks for you to invest that into something else than yourself, heart rates go up. Because it's easy to view it as an obligation. Paul says it shouldn't be an obligation. It should be an opportunity. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 9. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Look at this, not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, not motivated by shame and guilt. And a lot of churches motivate people to give by shame and guilt. Give or we're shutting her down, you know, or we're locking the doors and we're not leaving here. And I mean, I've heard stories like that. By the way, we'll never do that. We'll never do that. Because ultimately... You as a follower of Christ have to make that shift as led by the Holy Spirit to move from obligation to opportunity. I'll tell you, I made that this shift here at Fellowship. And I had grown up in church all my life. And before it was, I'm going to give, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to give 10% of my income to the Lord at church. But to me, it was more of an obligation. I'm going to do it. Why? Because I'm a pastor here and I need to lead. Well... Okay, sounds like an obligation, Joe. 
Doesn't sound like a lot of joy in that. And then we moved here from Chattanooga. I had three boys and they were beginning to eat us out of house and home. And when I made the move here, I moved from a larger church to, at that time, was a, a very small church, about 100 people here, 15 years ago. And so I took a pay cut to move here, and my heart rate went up. I thought, how am I going to support my family with a pay cut to go? I mean, <laughs> so I moved here, and when I left, the church gave me a love offering. That was the exact amount of pay cut that I took. You know what God was telling me? Joe, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. You can trust me. And, and I love to do this. I love to give good things to my children. And so then we, as our church grew, and we moved out of that church over at the church building out of 17th and Indian Hills, and we moved over here to 10th and Urish with that first building that we built before this one, I remember my kids were just having huge appetites. And I was wondering, how am I going to pay for this? And... And all of a sudden, God started moving my heart because he started connecting that, Joe, when you meet needs in your church, when you give sacrificially to make room for more people, you kind of get to see what I do. Because God opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. And so when we give, we kind of get a picture of God's perspective. When we open our hands and give, needs are met. God is honored and we get to experience joy. We all want our time, our energy, and our money to be opportunities. I, I mean, none of us go, yippee, oh, it's, it's August. The end of August, I got my electric bill. I love that bill. Man, this is so awesome. I love paying this thing. Thank you, Lord, for electricity. 400 bucks. We don't like to do that. We go, talk. Darn it! Who's using the blow dryer? <laughs> and we get we get ticked because it's an obligation. We got to pay it, or someone t- turns it off. Cold Coldplay's coming to town. Sign me up! I'm ready to go because that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. See how we make this? So if giving could sh- be shifted in our minds that it's an opportunity, my goodness! Look at how much joy could happen. And then there's a transformational shift of witness. From hearing a story about Jesus to sharing the story of Jesus. And I like how Paul kind of brings this out in, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share, look at this, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you became very dear to us. I I really like this because he's saying, we're not just going to give you the truth about who Jesus is. We're going to give you us. We're going to share our very lives. And whenever you can build a relationship with someone and love them, no strings attached, whether or not they believe in Christ or not, whenever you can love someone and then share the story of what God's done in your life, my goodness, I've just seen the gospel take off and get traction in people's lives. And it moves you away when you can make this shift from just listening to the story to actually authentically share the story about Jesus with people. My goodness. 
it becomes you sharing the greatest gift that's ever been given. Before you make this shift, you're afraid. You're going to sound like a goof. You're going to sound like judgmental, self-righteous person or a religious person or a freak. And But on this side, it's let me share with you the greatest gift that's ever been given to me that I can share with you. We absolutely love to equip people in how to share the gospel with their friends. Fellowship is growing because of the whole concept of you and two, that there's two people in your life who are far from God, who you would be willing to pray for. You would be willing to invite to church. You would be willing to have conversations. What did they think of that? And you would continue to love even if they walk away or don't want Jesus. Why? Because we're called to share that story and live that story with people. It's a transformational shift of witness. And the last one is this. The transformational shift of church. America is a very isolated, lonely country. We live with crowded, a crowded reality, but a very lonely existence. And so there's the call from the scriptures, not just to believe in Christ, but to be along with a family. Not just being alone without a church family, but to to walk with a church family. Paul writes to Timothy, who pastored a church in Ephesus, and he says this, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Look at this. Along with, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. I think about churches, and, you know, I believe in the big church. I I believe that when God looks down on Topeka, he doesn't just see Fellowship Bible Church. We're not the only church here, but we're a church here. And I believe everyone needs to be, who's trusted in Christ, needs to be connected and committed in a local church. Everyone who knows Jesus. And so that's going to require a kind of a transformational shift of not trusting a church, not trusting leadership, wanting to be my own renegade, my own thinker, my own, you know, crafter of my destiny. That requires a change of mind. And some of us on this side of this shift would say, boy, I don't know that I can trust it. I've been hurt by that church and that church and that church. Or Christians are all hypocrites and we struggle with that. But here's the deal. True. <laughs> Christians are messed up people. How do I know this? Because I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And none of us are here because we figured it all out because we got it all perfect. And if we said we did, we'd be lying. We're messed up. But we're messed up and we come to the cross and we remember that all of our shortcomings, all of our failures, all of our sin has been covered at the cross. The ground is level at the cross. And we want to pursue Christ together. And we want to love God. We want to know and understand and apply his word. And we want to love people as Jesus loves people. And we want to do this together. So that's going to require anyone on the peripheral to get connected here. And to become committed here. There have been people who've been here and said, I I just, I don't, I don't like this and I don't like this and I don't like this. Well, go to a place where you can grow. And there have been people who've come to us and said, I've never been a part of a church like this. God uses that and he grows us through that. And I don't take it personally. 
But we've got to come to the point where it's not four churches we're going to. Or 18 podcasts we're listening to so we don't go to church anymore and commit to a family. Folks, there's people who preach the word far better than I do. But we're a part of a family. And we go to the word and we think, what could God do if we all believed this and left here and lived it? What could happen? And that's where a major movement of God could happen in this city and around the world. And that's what we call you to, unapologetically. Unapologetically. Because God is committed to your growth. And so we will. We will be people who partner with God and with you and help you grow. Okay, so I hope I didn't overwhelm you with all of these, but I want you to think about one or two. What shift is your soul longing for? As we talked about, if you've been taking notes or if you just have those in front of you, just remember what we've gone through. A shift of faith from knowing about to believing in. A shift of prayer from requesting to responding. That's mine. That's mine. And you think I'd get it because I've listened to this message because I'm listening to my own speaking (laughs) five times this weekend. That's the one that keeps coming up. And I think my soul is longing to have that ongoing conversation with God. And so I want to grow in that area. But maybe it's, maybe it's ministry. You've been watching ministry and you've been receiving. You've been a blogger of ministry and a reviewer of ministry, but you haven't seen it like God sees it. It's an open source. It's open source. Come in, experience, help us make it better. Take that step, that transformational shift with us. Now, over the next 10 weeks, we're starting and we're launching a 10-week interactive experience called Rooted. And we call everyone to be a part of a small group through these 10 weeks. And it's not too late. You can sign up today and get connected into a small group that's right around your, your age or stage of life from high school all the way up and go through this daily devotional that will address each one of these transformational shifts. And you will deepen your understanding. You will have a deeper connection to God, to your church, and also your purpose in life. And all of us want to matter, right? We want to make a a significant difference in, in our world for the gospel of Jesus. And so we'll help equip you as you consider that. It's not too late. It launches next weekend. But I'd like you to sign up if you haven't yet. Go online and do that. You go on our webpage. It'll show up right there, rooted. Click on it. If you want to talk to someone, if you have questions about it, go and do that. There's a, there's a uh, booth out in our atrium you can ask questions about. But don't let today pass uh, until you register so that we can connect you into a small group. I think this can be a movement of God in our midst that we look back on and we go, well, how could we have ever not done that? How could we have never, how, how do we see it that way? Why didn't we see it as an opportunity? And God will work on our hearts. And I think it can really be a defining moment for us as a church family. I hope you'll be a part of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your love for us. Thank you so much for your word and your direction for us. I pray, Lord, that we would be open to you and available to you, that you would work in us and through us, that we would be people who trust you as you are committed to our growth, and we would follow you with all our heart. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.